It's Kentucky basketball's final game of the season. We preview Kentucky's game with the Florida Gators on today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You are Locked on Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode, we are going to be previewing Kentucky basketball's final game of the season, Kentucky taking on Florida in Gainesville, we are going to be discussing the Florida offense, the Florida defense. We're going to talk about some of the things that we noted from these uh, two teams, their first game uh, this season, and then we're going to give a final score prediction as we always do. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there listening or watching, if you're on YouTube, that we are free and available on all platforms. If you're listening on YouTube, I really appreciate it if you subscribed. If you're listening on podcast format, drop a review. Would love to hear what you think about the podcast. All right, let's go ahead and get into it. The Florida offense. So normally I try and break down schematically what uh, opposing teams like to do, statistically what they like to do, what they've been doing recently, and then kind of give my prediction as to how the offense is going to operate against the Wildcats uh, in the given matchup. So last time these uh, these two teams played, uh, Florida scored a total 57 points, I believe. I believe it was 78 to 57 was the final score. And um, the, the Florida offense, my takeaway from the game against Kentucky was that the Florida offense is controllable. Uh, the Gators average over 70 points a game, 70.7 to be specific. That is good for 11th in the uh, SEC. Uh, the problem with the Gators, and I think this was definitely, you could definitely see this, bothered Kentucky at times in the last matchup was that the uh, pace of play uh, for Mike White and company is very, very slow. In fact, the Gators are 301st nationally in adjusted tempo, which is good for dead last in the SEC. And you really saw it affect Kentucky, I believe, on both ends of the floor. Florida offensively wanting to work their sets and get Colin Castleton going uh, in the paint. And then defensively for the Gators, putting a lot of ball pressure on, uh, on the Wildcats, kind of slowing down the half-court offense, kind of making the, the Wildcats work uh, for what they wanted to get. Uh, did not have a lot of transition buckets in this, uh, in this previous matchup at all. I believe Kentucky only had eight fast break points the first time these two teams met. So I think that pacing in this game is going to be very important if the Gators are going to come out on top. And if Kentucky's going to come out on top, they're going to need to try and inflict their will uh, in terms of pace and actually getting the ball out and running in transition as well. So that's something interesting to note there about how slow this team is. They were incredibly slow um, against the Wildcats last matchup. It was Florida's third slowest game that they had played this season, according to Ken Palm. Uh, So again, pacing. Uh, something to watch out for in this contest. Something else that we noted about the Florida Gators, they take a lot of threes. And last time, Kentucky versus Florida, uh, the Gators only took two or 22, excuse me, uh, three-pointers. They made five of them. Uh, the three ball, incredibly ineffective. And I was one of the reasons why Florida lost the game by so much against the Wildcats. I think 
believe it or not, I think Florida is actually probably going to utilize the, the, the three ball and rely on it more to keep this game competitive at home here than they did at Rupp. I think they're going to shoot a little better at home uh, this time around, and I think they are going to put up more than 22 threes in this matchup. That's just my prediction. They've got a couple of different shooters that are starting to heat up here as the season draws to a close, so I just think that it's it wasn't an anomaly. It, it wasn't an exception uh, to Florida's offense. It, particularly, it was only four less threes than their average attempted, but I think that they are going to try and, and shoot a little bit more from beyond the arc. Stylistically, talked about this last time we previewed the Gators. Mike White used to run a variation of the Princeton offense, uh, and he has now decided to finally get with the times a little bit, start to evolve his offense, and he's running more four-out, uh, four one-in, and more five-out stuff, trying to really spread the floor. He's a little bit slower, uh, obviously, than most teams in terms of pace, like we just mentioned a few minutes ago. We saw uh, a five-out offense. We've seen it with several teams, actually, this season. But specifically, we've seen it with Alabama, uh, if you've been watching Kentucky this season. And to give a description of what five-out means, and I'll give a description of four-out, one-in as well, five-out means all five of your players are starting out offensively on the perimeter. And in this offense, there are five specific spots around the perimeter that must always be filled. And the only exception to a spot not being filled on the perimeter is if a player is performing an action such as cutting or setting a screen. Uh, We saw it a lot with Alabama. It leads to a lot of three-point shots. It leads to a lot of quick uh, buckets in transition. Florida, a little bit slower because they have the personnel right now currently, I think, to, to run some slower stuff. They've got a couple of really talented post players. Florida will also set up four out, one in, and then work the ball into Castleton in the post, try and get an isolation matchup, try and get one-on-one uh, in the post. And Castleton's done a really good job executing with that this season. I think we're going to see that uh, a lot in this game. We saw it a lot in the first matchup. Castleton had 18 points. Uh, so I think that, again, four out, one in is probably going to be, it's going to be seen more often than five out uh, in this matchup. I think we're going to see Florida try and have their one guy in the post, and then everybody's going to be working the ball around the perimeter to see if they can get a three uh, or an easy bucket with Castleton. Kentucky likes to play man for man. Uh, I don't see Kentucky getting out of this this uh, man at all in this game. In fact, I believe they play man on over 95% of their, uh, percent of their possessions. Uh, Coach Cal doesn't like it. I get it. I don't have anything against man to man. I'm okay with it, uh, specifically in this matchup, given the fact that the Gators scored 57 points last time. So whatever we whatever Kentucky wants to do, uh, in this game, defensively, I think they're going to have to really look at last game's film and try and replicate some of the things that they did uh, incredibly well. Uh, Florida, just to go over some more of the statistics here, Florida averages almost 13 assists per game, which is 11th in the SEC. They shoot 42.9% from the field, which is 12th in the SEC. Uh, their free throw shooting is pretty decent. They shoot almost 74% from the free throw line. Uh, the problem with their offense, and it's very similar to Alabama's, is that they take a lot of threes, but they don't make a lot of threes. Uh, Florida shooting 31.6% from beyond the arc. That is good for 12th in the Southeastern Conference. And then 36.8 rebounds per game uh, is next to last in the SEC. So they don't rebound well. Uh, they shoot a lot of threes. Uh, they play in an offense that doesn't allow you to really rebound a whole lot. Uh, and again, the, to just kind of to, to kind of summarize here, two of the things that I'm going to be that I think is, are going to be really important in this game. I think figuring out how to make Florida play faster than they want to, and then also 
defending the the inside. I think that's going to be really important to protect Colin Castleton because, look, I don't think that no matter how many threes Florida takes in this game, I don't think they're going to be able to make enough to make a legitimate impact where this is an incredibly competitive game with like two or three minutes left. So I think covering the post and making sure Colin Castleton is locked down is going to be priority number one in this game. I don't think Florida has enough shooters. I know they've got some talented guards, but I don't think they have enough shooters to really pose a legitimate threat in this matchup. And we got to see it firsthand. Uh, First game at Rupp. Three key contributors here. Colin Castleton, mentioned him in the uh, earlier on the show, high IQ post player, some great moves. He also averages over two and a half turnovers per game. We noted that in the preview pod. Last time these two teams faced off, I said Oscar Shibway was going to have to do a good job, see if he could strip the ball from Castleton. And Castleton ended up with four turnovers. But he also had 18 points and seven rebounds on eight of 12 shooting. So again, Trying to contain Colin Castleton in this game, I think it's going to shut down the Florida offense if the, unless they're just knocking down everything from three. Tyree Appleby, averaging almost 11 points a game for the Gators. He's a good distributor, averages four assists per contest. He's uh, just simply a pet playmaker uh, for, for the Gators, can shoot the three ball a little bit. He left the first game between these two teams uh, with a lower with, with a with a lower leg injury, I believe uh, I, I may be completely completely mistaken. Uh, he left due to injury after seven minutes, so he was not a factor in the first matchup. I think he's going to be able to play a full game, barring injury. Again, knock on wood for Appleby, so he'll be somebody to watch out for. And then a new uh, key contributor. I did not have this guy listed last time these two teams played. Philandris Fleming. Uh, yes, that is uh, that is uh, an actual name. It sounds like a creative character uh, in in uh, NBA 2K, uh, but it's it's dope. He's a, he's a pretty cool player as well for the Gators, and he's been playing very well over these past two contests. He's averaging 11 points a game, but he scored 16 and 27 points in the last two outings for Florida, and he made the game winning shot versus versus Vanderbilt. I believe it was like a, a game winning shot, and I say that with 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 air quotes because they were down by one. And then he made a three-pointer with six seconds left. Um, it, I guess you could say more of like a, a walk-off. It wasn't like a buzzer beater or anything like that. But still, Fleming is playing very well uh, as of late. He's scoring in bunches. He'll be somebody to look out for. Can Keon Brooks, Jacob Toppin stay in front of him? Uh, Fle- Fleming playing kind of a guard-forward combo type of position. All right, in just a second, we're going to talk about the Florida defense, which has kind of fallen off. Honestly, and we're going to break down why uh, in just a second. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Run Your Pool. March Madness is just a couple of weeks away, guys. That means you need to start thinking about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. You better go ahead and make some decisions of where you're going to be running them. Are you going for the usual or are you going for the best? Well, we've done our homework here and we are running our brackets with runyourpool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X. Both are really fun in their own way. And they also have options to edit scoring. And along with that, they offer more intel to make your picks. It's all stuff you won't find at ESPN or CBS. If you've got a business, Run Your Pool can help you take some of that madness magic and play alongside your employees or even gain customers. Plus, they offer full white glove customer support custom branding, and one of the easiest three-minute setups that you will ever find. 
Clearly, we believe in Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're actually running our brackets over there ourselves, and there's simply no truer test than that. And if you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, you can join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your pool for your friends and your family. You can enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. Again, that's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. All right, continuing along here on the Friday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dahl here with you. Man, it has just flown by this week. This week is just gone just like that. We're in the thick of uh, of, of some uh, group. Or what am I saying? Some mid-major uh, conference tournaments. I'm really excited about uh, some of the games that have gone on already. I believe the Horizon League's playing their conference tournament. I believe uh, the Sun Belt is playing their conference tournament as well. Uh, really, really exciting time. Uh, in the sports world, you can just kind of feel the tension in the air starting to build. Like every single time I get to just casually look up at lunch and see that there's tournament basketball being played, some arch madness uh, going on right now. Not March madness, arch madness. I'm really, really, really excited about it. The Florida defense here, though, they are sound. They were sound, and they're starting to show some cracks now. And we noted this the first time we previewed the Gators. This was just a few games ago. This was very recent. And we noted that Florida was playing very solid defense at the beginning of the season, but since they've gotten into conference play, the defense has started to struggle a little bit in individual games. Whenever they play offenses that know what they're doing, they have tended they have uh, they have a tendency to occasionally break down. And one of the big reasons that I I decided to put this in my notes the first go around was because I had watched the Florida Georgia game, which was the game before uh, the Wildcats played uh, the Gators just a few weeks ago. And Florida really, really liked to really, really likes to run. And they did this against Kentucky as well. They really like to run matchup zone. They'll run 2-1-2 and 2-2-1. And you may say, I've never heard of 2-2-1. I hadn't either until I watched the Gators run it. And then I looked it up. I'm like, oh, go figure. That's that's a zone defense. Uh, but but still, matchup zone, and they run zone 2-1-2, 2-2-1, 2-3 as well. Uh, and just to kind of give you an, an example here, or just to describe here to you uh, what matchup zone is. Matchup zone is a combination defense. And it combines elements of man-to-man defense, which is on ball, and then zone defense, which is away from the basketball. It's a zone defense that acts a lot like a really good man-to-man defense. The on-ball defender closes closes out and plays tight man-to-man. And the zone away from the ball resembles man-to-man or help side uh, defense. And then 2-2-1 specifically, if you've never played basketball or if you don't understand what 2-3 and 1-2-1 and 2-1-2 means... 2-2-1 2-2-1 basketball zone is a really good defense to run against four-out or five-out basketball, which is your typical modern motion type of offense. Guys are, or teams are really, really liking to spread out uh, right now and shoot the three ball, and uh, 2-2-1 is a good defense to run against it. I would also argue that 2-1-2 is a good matchup zone defense to run as well if you're playing against an opponent that has somewhat of a legitimate post presence. So if you're playing a team like, if you're playing a team like Mississippi State, uh, or Auburn, for instance, you would go 2-1-2 instead of 2-2-1 because you would not want to leave 
one player in the paint to fend for himself against Tolu Smith and Garrison Brooks or Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. Um, this zone defense will have two players up at the top of the key, two in the middle watching the wings, and then they'll have one player in the post. And you could probably get away with this most nights. Again, if you're, one, playing against a team that doesn't have an incredibly strong post presence, or two, if you have a stud at center. So you could look at a team like Illinois, and I've not watched the, the Fighting Illini a lot this season, but for an example, you could potentially have Kofi Coburn uh, at center. He's like seven foot two, incredibly powerful guy. He's like 285 pounds. You could have him in a two or in a two two one defense, and then just tell him you're big enough, you're strong enough to take on some of the centers and forwards in this league. We're gonna leave you in the paint, and we're gonna let our other guys really, really, really make sure we clamp down on these modern offenses. And you could get away with that. And Florida can kind of get away with it occasionally because they've not played a ton of teams that have a crazy strong post presence. And then also, Colin Castleton's a pretty talented center. Uh, the problem with uh, with the Kentucky matchup is that if they did go to that, Kentucky would attack the rim and they would get layups. And if they decided to go 2-1-2 and have two players in the post, Oscar Shibwe would still find a way to dominate. You sometimes can't even uh, get away with a double team against Shibwe. He's going to execute one way or another. Shibwe dropped 27 points on the Gators last time, by the way. Some statistics here uh, Florida, for the uh, Florida defense. Giving up 65.5 points per game, then 68.8 in SEC play. Just goes to show you the defense has really started to slack off here in SEC play. Uh, the, the Gators, seventh in the SEC in defensive efficiency. They're fifth in the SEC in steal percentage, third in the SEC in block percentage, and then sixth in the SEC in turnover percentage. So overall, statistically, like they're good in most categories, except for points allowed per game. And then also, I mean, I think if you watch on film, they have a tendency to occasionally fall asleep. I noted that in the first matchup, and I said that, that we would probably see some easy looks. And sure enough, we got some early in the first half, and we got some in the second half. I don't think Kentucky is going to be running lobs all game uh, against the Gators, but falling asleep in the post is something that this team has done night in and night out in SEC play, not to the point where it absolutely kills their defense, but they occasionally just have uh, moments where they overcommit or they overhelp, and I think that Kentucky is going to see if they can take advantage of uh, some of those uh, those opportunities that this defense might give them. I said last episode that I thought the four spot was going to play really well in this game, and then Keon Brooks ended up doing like nothing, and then Damian Collins ended up doing nothing. Uh, yeah, I take that statement back. I don't think that they're going to be a huge factor in this game. I think Keon's going to play like Keon. I think he's going to shoot like three of seven, four of seven, and get like 12 points like he normally does, but uh, I don't think that it'll be at the four. I think it's just going to be, can Oscar Shibwe execute against this zone or this matchup zone like he did last time? And I would say that there's no reason to think why he doesn't unless Florida either tries to put him in foul trouble or fouls him uh, and just uh, puts him at the free throw line. Uh, he's not a fantastic free throw shooter, so that could be an, uh, an option for the Gators. But uh, to to kind of put a bow on it here real quick, Again, the defense has just struggled down the stretch for the Gators, and the only way I think Florida keeps this one competitive is if Kentucky offensively makes mistakes of their own. Um, again, the Wildcats, I think, are going to have a lot of opportunities to execute in this game. The question is if they, if they can. Duh. And I, I think the answer is yes, based on the first matchup, but not 
turning the ball over and going for four or five minute stretches where you not don't knock down a field goal is going to be really important. And look, I'm not asking this offense to be perfect. I'm asking them to be good like they have all season. And you can't do what you did in the LSU game. You can't do what you did in the Tennessee game just a few weeks ago. You've got to be able to, to put together a complete performance on the road as the season winds down. This is the last game of the, the regular season. Let's make it count. Let's head in the SEC into the SEC tournament with some momentum. Start to cut down on some of the mistakes. Not like I'm saying that Kentucky's a mistake-prone team and they're constantly turning the ball over. It's just let's start to sharpen our craft. Let's start to hone in on what we do well, and let's not turn the ball over as much. All right, I'm going to have some final thoughts here, and I'll give a final score prediction and just kind of talk about what may be different uh, from the first matchup. We're going to do that in just a second, but before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Built Bar. This is the, the uh, time of year that we've all pretty much given up on our New Year's resolutions. All of them have come and they've gone. And there's one more uh, New Year's resolution that I'm sticking to, and it is to eat right consistently. And that is thanks to Built Bar. And, you know, eating right doesn't even really feel like a New Year's resolution because I actually enjoy eating Built Bars. Have you tried the Built Bar Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, and they're not just a protein bar, they are a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate, as all Built Bars are, and they've got so many different flavors to choose from as well. If Built thinks a flavor might be good, they will make it. It will be delicious, and it will also be good for you. You can go to Built.com right now, and you can use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, you can use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order at Built.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. Football might be over for this season, but basketball as I just said a few minutes ago, is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired head coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline also is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. You can head over to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, wrapping up the Friday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Daw here with you. Really appreciate you making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. It's been a good season. I'm very glad that I got to cover it. Uh, it's a shame that I could not get in. Uh, I believe I, we started two games into the season. I believe, believe Kentucky played Duke, and I forget their second opponent. I believe it was Robert Morris. Maybe wrong on that. Um, but, I, but I got in two games into the season. And I really have appreciated all the the love and support that we've gotten on the YouTube channel and getting to watch things grow and getting to see a team that potentially has a shot at a national title. It's all been really, really fun. Uh, let's go ahead and give some final thoughts here for this Kentucky-Florida game. One of the big uh, statistics, one of the most important statistics in this first matchup was Kentucky's rebounding margin. Uh, so Kentucky crashed the glass against the Gators last go-around, 41-25 to 25 was the rebounding margin uh, between the two teams, or excuse me, the rebounding totals 
uh, between the two teams. Kentucky with 41 rebounds, Florida with 25. And then Kentucky also had 17 offensive rebounds. So a question here, does Kentucky crash the offensive glass again like they did the first go-around? Or does Florida adjust and see if they can send some more players uh, at the rim and see if they can get some more offensive rebounds and see if they can get some second-chance points? We'll just have to see. But I would expect Kentucky, uh, considering they have the uh, largest rebounding margin in the country, I believe it's at plus 10 right now, uh, considering they are one of the best rebounding teams in the nation, I would expect them, if Florida does not want to stray away uh, from their offensive philosophy, uh, I would expect Kentucky to handle that again. And so the question is, then after that, can Kentucky get some extra buckets off of that? And you go back to... This might be another really good game for Oscar Shibwe. I think that he could potentially, I don't think he's going to have a 27.19 rebound type of outing, but he's going to have another solid day, uh, I would believe. Can Oscar Shibwe, just talking about him for a second here, can he defend the post better than he did last game? Now, obviously, he's not going to be perfect. Uh, nobody is. But while he did score 27 and grab 19 rebounds, Colin Castleton did shoot 8 of 12 and had 18 points of his own. Can Oscar Shibway do a little bit of a better job of really, really getting in Castleton's grill and making him put up some shots uh, that he doesn't want to? Again, this goes back to way back to what I was saying earlier in the show, which is I think Kentucky needs to speed the pace up in this game. I think they need to, f- to try and speed up this Florida offense, make them do some things that are uncharacteristic, make them uh, take one-and-done shots, get up a three, uh, and and make sure you get the rebound and then run out in transition and score on the other end. I think that's going to be really important for Kentucky to emphasize pace in this game. All right. Well, I'll actually, I'll say this one more thing. Uh, th- something that I noted just a, a few few minutes ago was that Florida, this was their third slowest game of the season whenever the Wildcats and the Gators matched up. It was actually Kentucky's slowest game of the season. And so, again, I think that making sure Florida gets one shot and they're done, and then running in transition a little bit, trying to get back. I know that Florida's got good transition defense. Let's see if we can stress them out a little bit. All right, four parameters here, and then we'll wrap it up. Can Kentucky shoot the ball well? We, all, we ask four questions uh, before every single game and then after every single game to see if Kentucky checked the boxes. Can Kentucky shoot the ball well? Shot 46.7% this first go-around go and 37% from three. And I'll just say this, if Florida is going to give Kentucky the three ball, then Grady, Mintz, and Washington all need to capitalize on that. Now, if they will, I don't know. These guards guards have been on and off. They played really well against Ole Miss, like phenomenally well against Ole Miss. Um, But 10 of 27 was what the Wildcats were from three last game. They're going to need to pick it up in this matchup as well. Second parameter here, can Kentucky have decent shot selection? Nothing stopping this team from having decent shot selection, barring they run into a Texas Tech type of team, in which case I'm scared. Um, but, but yeah, I believe after seeing the first game, you know, he dropped 78 uh, on a team that's decent defensively. I would say that's pretty good. So I think that, yes, Kentucky can have decent shot selection. Can Kentucky play well in transition both offensively and defensively? Like I mentioned earlier in the show, only eight fast break points for the Wildcats the first time these two teams played. You're going to need to, need to see more consistency, I think, pushing the pace in transition. Or at least, I, I don't know if this is more of a, I, I think we need to see it, or more if I, I want to see it. Um, but at the same time, I, 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 I do think that the more you look at the way the last game went, 
I think that coming into this matchup, you do need to prioritize getting out running just a little bit more. And then final parameter here, can Kentucky protect the rim? Uh, they had zero blocks last time these two teams played. Florida really struggles to, to shoot the three. Going back to what I was saying uh, about Colin Castleton, making sure that he does not get it going offensively, making sure that he is shut down and letting Florida take some threes. Uh, not open threes, obviously, but, but, but prioritize one over the other is what I'm trying to say. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at LanceDahl underscore, and you can follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. We'll, we will be back on a Monday to recap what is potentially uh, a win to wrap up the regular season for the Wildcats. Hope to see you all there on Monday. Have a great day, everybody, and God bless.